Many people think salvation is found through good works. Let me tell you what the gospel is not. The gospel is not where you get saved by doing works and you've got to climb up a certain number of stairs and you've got to give money for each stair you walk up and you have to take communion a certain number of times or you've got to, you've got to read a certain number of prayers in a certain way. It is not the ritualism. It is not the formalism. It is not work salvation. Salvation is found in having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of the most difficult scripture to read is found in our study today. Revelation chapters 15 through 18 has many dire predictions for those who continue to turn from God's will. But Pastor Dudley will share why those who are saved will have nothing to fear. Next, as we lift up Jesus. Welcome to Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. We are here every weekday at this time to share the good news of Jesus and to lift up His name to this city. No matter if you are listening right now from your car or at home or in your place of work, we believe that today's sermon from Pastor Dudley will be a blessing to everyone. So if you can, get out your Bibles and let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message. We come today to a very difficult passage of Scripture. Uh, usually, uh, and again, I've never preached through the book of Revelation before, but this is the, this is the section that you don't want to preach through. It's because of this section. You just, it's just hard, some of it's hard to understand. And we're going to do our best. And we're going to look at four chapters, Revelation 15, 16, 17, and 18. If you don't have a Bible, look underneath your chair because some of these verses you're going to think are not in the Bible. And you're going to, you, you're going to need to see that this is in the Bible. I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version of the final day where the wrath of God falls. And I understand that this might not be a pretty sermon for you. But you've got to understand we're preaching through the book. And so as ugly as this gets, it's going to get a whole lot better towards the end of the book. All right? So as we make our way through, don't say, well, what's all this stuff? Well, just stay with us. And you're going to see where all this ends up. We have four chapters. I want to look first at chapters 15 and 16. In your notes, chapter 15 is where the seven, what's called the bowl, B-O-W-L. These are the bowls, the wrath of God. The seven bowls are introduced. And in chapter 16, the seven bowls are unleashed. Chapter 15 is just the introduction to the final stages of what we know as the tribulation. Let's look at chapter 15, verse 1. John writes, I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign. Seven angels with the seven last plagues last because with them God's wrath is completed. He says the word last for two reasons. One, it's the last set of judgments. Now, you have the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments. This is the third and final set of judgments. They're called the bold judgments. So the reason he says the word last is because he wants us to know that this is the last set of series of judgments that are introduced in the book of Revelation. But the main reason that he uses the word last is because this is the moment where God's wrath is completed, where God finally and completely unleashes his wrath upon mankind. 
Now, the good news and during chapter 15 and during the introduction, before we get to 16 words unleashed, God says something to all of us who are saved. And he basically tells us that we all get to sing a song. This is actually chapter 15 is the last song in the Bible. Now, there's some other passages in Revelation. They look like songs, but it's, they're not songs. They're the angels, and the angels are shouting. Shouting is different than singing. This is the last song in the Bible. Look at verse 3. Here, how, here are the words of the song. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the ages. Verse 4. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. It's one last reminder before we dive into this, that if you are a Christian, you will be victorious. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Chapter 16, here we go. Chapter 16, the final judgment falls. The bold judgments are unleashed in rapid succession, probably over a period of a few weeks or a few months. The first bowl that's unleashed are painful sores break out on people who have what the Bible calls the mark of the beast. Now, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, that there's coming a day where there will be one world government, and they will ask for you and I to have a mark either put on our right hand or on our forehead, And that mark is going to be what will allow you to buy and sell and trade. And you as a Christian are going to have to decide, are you going to get the mark on your hand or not? And if you choose not to get the mark on your hand or your forehead, then you will not be able to buy and purchase and make a living. And you will be persecuted by the world. The very first bull that's unleashed is that if you have that mark of the beast on your hand, his name or that mark on your hand or on your forehead, the Bible says that you're going to break out in sores all over your body. The second bowl and the third bowl are kind of one and the same, and that is that all water will be turned into blood. That's fresh water and salt water. So imagine being, imagine hurting and, uh, and, and those sores will not go away and you're thirsty, but you're, you, there's no water to be found. The fourth bowl is the sun scorches the earth. This is chapter 16, verse 8. The sun scorches the earth. Can you imagine the whole earth being 130 degrees, 140 degrees, 150 degrees? And don't forget, there's no water because the water's all been turned to blood. Can you imagine how miserable that's going to be? The fifth bowl is where the world is covered in darkness. Imagine painful sores. All the water's been turned to blood, nothing to drink. The sun is scorching the earth. And the world is covered in darkness. There's no light. And people are groping around in darkness. You would think that once all the trials and the, and the bowls, the persecution, the judgments begin, that people would run back to God. But no, the Bible says that people call out and begin to curse God and they refuse to repent. Why do people refuse to repent? I will tell you. Because every time you say no to the gospel, your heart gets more hardened. Every time the preacher preaches and you don't respond and you say no to the gospel, your heart gets harder. Every time someone witnesses to you, uh, someone in your family, they try to get you to become a Christian, you say no, uh, your heart becomes more hardened. Every time someone at work witnesses to you, or you, you read the Bible, or someone prays for you, or someone asks you to become a Christian, or you, we sing another invitation song, and you say no, every time you say no, 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 no to Jesus Christ, your heart gets more and more hardened. And eventually, uh, that's what happens when the trials come. Your heart is so hard, you continue to say no instead of just running to God. The sixth bowl 
The river Euphrates drives up. What is that river? Well, it's a river that enables, according to the Bible, a great army from the east into a valley called the Valley of Armageddon. Look at verse 12 in your Bible. It says that the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. So it's a plural number of kings. Then verse 13, he sees three evil spirits, the Bible says, that look like, they look like frogs. Now, I don't know if they were frogs, he just says they look like frogs. And they came out, these mouths came out of the mouth of the dragon. Now, if you weren't here, you wouldn't know who the dragon is. But if you've been in our series, you know who the dragon is. The dragon is Satan himself. The frogs came out of the mouth of the beast. We know that as the Antichrist. And the frogs come out of the mouth of the false prophet who works on behalf of the Antichrist. They are the spirit of demons performing miraculous signs. They go out to who? They go out to the kings of the whole world, not some kings, to all the kings of the world, and they gather them for this battle on the great day of God Almighty. So uh, all the armies of the world gather to this valley, and all of a sudden, bam, wham, slam, the seventh bowl is unleashed. What is the seventh bowl? Write this down. It is the earthquake of all earthquakes. Look at verse 17. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying three words, and here the three words, pay attention to them. It is done. Oh, we'll see. When was the last time I heard those words? Let me think, let me think, let me think, let me think, let me think. Oh, I remember. It was Jesus when he was on the cross, you remember? He was there and he was dying. He came to earth, uh, lived a sinless life. And at around age 33, he goes to the cross and he dies. And on the cross, he sheds his blood. And on the cross, how many times does Jesus speak on the cross? Seven times. He speaks seven times on the cross. Seven statements. And the seventh and final statement, the final statement, he says these three words. It is finished. Signifying salvation is complete. The Bible says there's coming a day where you're going to hear those same three words. But it's not going to be Jesus on the cross saying, it is finished. It's going to be when those bold judgments are unleashed. And when we get to that seventh and final judgment, the earthquake of all earthquakes, you're going to hear a voice from heaven that says, it is finished. What's finished? Judgment is finished. Who's going to be judged? All those people who reject the first, it is finished, will eventually hear the words, it is done, which means you're going to fall under the wrath of God because you've rejected the first, it is finished. Verse 18, it happens. Then there came flashes of lightning, boom, 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 boom. Rumblings, peals of thunder. And what the Bible calls a severe earthquake, an earthquake of all earthquakes. Look at the middle of verse 18. This is in the Bible. It says these words, no earthquake like it has ever occurred since man has been on earth. The very last line of verse 18 says, so tremendous was the quake. I want you to ask me how tremendous was the quake. Ask me, ask me. Look at verse 19. The great city split into three parts. And the cities, that's plural, not one city, the cities of the nations collapsed. 
God remembered Babylon the great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. Verse 20, every island, not some island, every island fled away, and even mountain, mountains could no longer be found. Verse 21 says, from the sky, huge hailstones of about 100 pounds each fell upon men, and they cursed God on account of the plague of the hell because the plague was so terrible. And what verse did we skip? What verse did we skip? 15. Let's go back up and look at verse 15. Right in the middle of all this destruction, God says, behold, I come like a thief. Blessed, blessed is he who stays awake. And he's not talking about my sermon here right now. He's talking about in the midst of all this destruction, the sores, the water turned into blood, people who are thirsty and the sun is scorching the earth and people are groping around in utter darkness. And all of a sudden there's an earthquake of all earthquakes. And what he says there, hey, 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 wake up. When, that, when, it, when is this going to happen? Uh, he says, you don't know when it's going to happen. Uh, there's always those who use this scripture trying to figure out when's it going to happen. The point is, you don't know when it's going to happen. He says, I'm coming like a thief in the night. Blessed is the one who stays awake which means blessed is the one who's prepared for these events. And so the question is this, are you prepared or are you asleep? Or worse, are you just ignoring all these facts? And then we come to chapter 17. Chapter 17 is what we call the harlot on the beast. And this is not a ride at Six Flags over Magic Mountain. Who is this woman, this harlot riding on a scarlet beast? Write this down, number one. The harlot represents, she represents apostate and corrupt religion that dominates and deceives the world. I wonder what religion that is. Number two, the beast. Who's this beast? And again, if you missed the previous weeks, you won't understand this. But the beast, we know, according to chapter 13, there's a beast of the sea and a beast of the earth symbolizes the Antichrist. Write that down. Scarlet is the color red. It's a red beast. We know that Satan was the red dragon in chapter 13. So this scarlet beast here in chapter 17, we believe is the offspring of the red dragon. The scarlet beast is the offspring of the scarlet dragon. He is the Antichrist. This woman who's dressed in wealth, glittering with gold, powerful, precious stones, holds a golden cup in her hand, is riding on a scarlet beast, which means that she's a part of Satan's plan to dominate and to deceive the world. Now, let me tell you what apostasy, apostasy occurs religiously, scripturally, doctrinally, when people are led down a road where the gospel of Jesus Christ is twisted. Let me tell you what the gospel is. The gospel is that we are all sinners. We've all sinned. We've all made mistakes. We've all done wrong. And we fall on our knees before a holy God, and we put our faith and trust in Jesus. And Jesus is the great high priest. We don't have to go to any other man. We don't have to go to any other religion. All we have to do is go to Jesus Christ. And we seek him. We put our faith and trust and obedience in him. We are baptized declaring that we believe in Jesus. We repent of our sins. We confess his name. But Jesus, salvation is built on Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Let me tell you what the gospel is not. The gospel is not 
where you get saved by doing works and you've got to climb up a certain number of stairs and you've got to give money for each stair you walk up and you have to take communion a certain number of times or you've got to, you've got to read a certain number of prayers in a certain way. It is not the ritualism. It is not the formalism. It is not, it is not work salvation. Salvation is found in having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, here, here's, now I said all that, but let me clarify it. Here's who I think the harlot is. The harlot is any church. It is any faith. It is any religion that turns apostate, that turns away from the one true gospel and leads people down a road where they accept a false gospel. That to me is what the harlot is. I'll show you the one verse that leads people to think it's the Roman Catholic Church. Look at chapter 17, verse 9. Chapter 17, verse 9 says, In the context of this woman riding on the scarlet beast, oh, this calls for wisdom. Say, Lord, give me wisdom. Everyone say that. Lord, give me wisdom. The seven heads are the seven hills on which the woman walked, sits. I don't know if you know anything about Rome. You'll know this when you get over there. Rome is built on seven hills. All you have to do is this. If you doubt this, just Google the seven hills of Rome. Just Google it, the seven hills of Rome. You'll have more reading than you can read in a lifetime about how that city was built on seven hills. Now, don't forget, Rome was the one that was persecuting the church when this was written. And so there's just many reasons why they believe that this is Rome, and and eventually that's where the Roman Catholic Church comes from. But I want you to know this, all right? Amon Jordan was built on seven hills. Edinburgh, Scotland was built on seven hills. And Cincinnati, Ohio is built on seven hills. We don't know for sure what city it is, but we know that from one of these cities where it's built on seven hills, that, they, that there's coming this, this religion, this faith that, that is represented by seven kings and these seven kings who ruled. Now, again, they could be the seven Caesars who ruled Rome at that time. It could be seven kings that have yet to be revealed later. But the harlot is some type of apostate religion that turns people away from the one true gospel, which is exactly what the scarlet dragon and the scarlet beast want. Now look at verse 13. According to verse 13, the harlot, the beast, the antichrist, and those frogs, In one hour, which is a short period of time or stands for a limited amount of time, they do something that affects everyone in this room. They lead the kings of this world. Somehow they convince the kings of the world to give up their power and to rule and reign on behalf using the authority of the beast. There are those who have discovered that in every culture, in every nation, there are seven mountains in every nation. One is government. It's a mountain. People at the top of the mountain control what happens in the whole mountain. Media. Every, every culture we have in the United States, we have a media in America. That's, that's Hollywood. That's the entertainment industry. The educational system is another mountain in every culture. The arts is another mountain. Religion is a mountain. Family is a mountain. Business is a mountain. 
And if you ever think about it, we spend most of our time dealing with people at the bottom of the mountain. But if you want to change the mountain, you've got to deal with the people at the top of the mountain. If you change the people at the top of the mountain, you change the whole mountain. You've got five or 600 people in the United States government that decides what happens in the entire United States of America with some 400 million people. You want to change America? You've got to change the people at the top of the mountain. Media, Hollywood, they say that the media empire is controlled by about 100 people. A hundred uh, power brokers, a hundred decision makers. There's a hundred people deciding every song you've ever heard, every movie you've ever watched, every television show, that decision is made by about one of a hundred people. And what happens there, they control the whole mountain. Education. There's a few people on the L.A. Unified School District Board that dictate what happens in the, in, in the California schools, right? And religion, you see, that's where that... That the harlot comes in, she controls the religion mountain and leads our world astray. Business, those people up there, they want to control all the mountains. They want to figure out how to get their hands on all the mountains. So I don't know who these, who these seven kings are. I don't know if they're the seven Caesars. I don't know if they're, they're, they're some type of power brokers that control the masses. But look what they do in verse 14. Whoever they are. They make war against who? Against the Lamb. And don't you kind of see that? Don't you see our government making decisions that go against God? I mean, they basically say that abortion is okay. You can kill any baby you want as long as it's inside the womb. You're the mother. You can kill that baby all day, every day. It's okay. The government has dictated that. They control. They're controlling and they lead our nation in things that are away from God. In fact, you can't even, it's a separation of church and state. Uh, they're trying to get God as far removed. I, I believe that's all a part of the plan. Media, do you know anything that's happening in the entertainment business? I mean, we've got a few good movies like Courageous and, and uh, some movies like that that are out. And praise God, praise God for those people who swim upstream and, and they, they try to do Christian things in these mountains. Can you say praise God for those people? But I, I got to say that the media, the media, for the most part, they are leading our nation away from God, for the most part. And go down the line. This says that they will make war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will overcome them. Why? Because He is the Lord of lords and the King of all kings. Oh, yeah. You see, that, that leads us into the next chapter. You can write this down, which is the fall of Babylon. What is Babylon? Don't forget this woman had the name Babylon across her head, forehead. Babylon, by definition, are the political systems, the economic systems, and I will even say the religious systems. The moral systems of the Antichrist kingdom will finally be what? Destroyed. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. 
we have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. Whoever you are and whatever your circumstances are, I want you to know that when you walked in here today, you walked into a church that desires to offer hope to those who are hurting. There's a lot of people here today who need their past forgiven. There are many people here today who are going through a tough time. There are people here who are just hurting. They're trying to go through life on their own, and they need some of that power, the power that raised Jesus from the dead. They need some of that. If God can raise a dead man, God can raise a dead marriage. If God can breathe life into a dead man, God can breathe life into your career or into your finances. If God can restore a man, you see, because Jesus conquered the grave, we have the hope that in any situation, because of that resurrection, we know that there is no problem that's too big for God to solve. Come and join us this year for Easter at Shepherd Church. All information on dates, service times, and locations can be found on our website, shepherdchurch.com. I'm Kyle Welch. We invite you to join us every weekday at this time when we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Pastor Dudley. 